Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. We've got a feature piece for you, day two of feature pieces from Israel. These are good updates. Lend an ear and a heart to this. You've seen the videos, the photos of the Hamas attack. But what's the latest from Israel? I'm John Geiger with Five Minutes on the Ground, a conversation with Erez Soref, who is president of One for Israel. He joins us today from the north of Israel. When did you know that this was more than just a single isolated terrorist attack, but something big was really happening? It's a Saturday morning, 6.30. You know, Saturday is the day that uh, we worship in our church here. I was a speaker that day, and so I got up at like 6.30, and I'm hearing those strange bangs that I cannot make out. And I was like, what is happening? Is somebody dropping heavy stuff on my roof? So I get up and I look at my phone. I cannot believe my eyes. You know, I look at the news and we live on the hills, the Judean hills outside of Jerusalem. And we have all the lowlands of Israel all the way to Ashkelon and Ashdod. Uh, we can see it from our yard, and I'm seeing those, you know, smoke mushrooms, and, and I'm hearing the bombs drop, and I cannot believe my eyes. So just uh, absolutely uh, shocking. This realization that it's a full-scale war came probably around 2 p.m., I would say. Well, when I look at a map showing where the attacks took place, I'm staggered by the number of places affected, but also the huge geographic area affected. Help our listeners understand this important distinctive. The distances we're talking about in American sizes are very, very small. So imagine, you know, from Dallas to Fort Worth, that's about the distance between the Gaza Strip and where we live. And so the, the distances that you're seeing on the map are much, much, much shorter than that. I mean, no more than, let's say, maximum uh, 8 or 10 miles in radius. And so when you're, when you're on a truck, I mean, it's a matter of minutes. It's not, it's not that much. And it was, uh, yeah, like you said, they went on a, on a massacre or killing spree all over. And uh, people were killed in their beds, in their homes, in their safe rooms, uh, civilians. It was really, it was really horrible. What's it like to live through that, though? You know, how do you endure that level of intensity? This is not a one-hour thing, a one or two bombs overhead. This has been going on now for more than a week. That's been a, a very difficult uh, time for all of us, particularly the first, I think the first two days were absolutely, absolutely horrible, uh, where you're kind of between trying to maintain some sort of a routine and doing something useful and and something positive and, and helping the ones you need and then having to, you know, having a siren, having to run to the safe room. Generally speaking, it's very, very, very difficult. I mean, I, mean, I, bar- I, mean, I think most of us, we barely sleep at night. Uh, just the thoughts and the concern and thinking about people we know that are much more in harm's way than we are. I mean, you know, we have sirens and we go to the safe room, but there's a lot of people that are way, way closer to the front lines. Five minutes on the ground, our conversation with Erez Soref, who is in Israel. What do you think Americans misunderstand about this conflict? What puzzle piece might we be missing? The real concern and the real very, very, very sad conclusion is that those extreme Muslim people from the Hamas, the blindness of and the hatred uh, of their religion is just 
absolutely blinding them to, to anything else. And their sole desire is to see Israel destroyed, uh, which, you know, they will not. So in all candor, maybe the one piece that is missing is there is no solution. There is no, humanly speaking, there's no solution. The only solution is for both Jews and Arabs to come to know the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. The conflict began with the sons of Abraham quarreling on who the father loves. And we see that unfold for 4,000 years. And so the roots are spiritual and the solution for this conflict is therefore spiritual. We live in that reality day in and day out. Our listeners, of course, will want to do something by way of response. What can we do? What can we pray that would make a difference, Eris? Definitely pray for the kidnapped so that God will provide a miraculous solution so they can uh, come back to their families, particularly the women, the children, the elderly. And then also, please pray for one for Israel and many other ministries in the country that we are trying out to help the needy and provide hope for our people in a very bleak reality. Uh, So thank you for standing with us. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for caring about what's happening in Israel. Really appreciate that, John. Thank you. Dr. Erez Sorov with five minutes on the ground on Moody Radio. Great feature piece right there. And uh, by the way, people have been asking, when can we hear that again? Real simple way to do it. Yeah, you can get the show podcast today. You'll get it probably around 10, 1030. If you text the word show to 312-274-9624 and you haven't listened to the podcast before, we'll send you the link to that so you can get the updates on that today. Again, just text the word show to 312-274-9624. This will be right at the beginning. Yeah, good stuff, man. Tough, tough situation in Israel. Now we're getting word, by the way, if you're just getting up and getting going, the Hezbollah. <sighs> early morning here, late afternoon there, or early afternoon over there. Yeah. Uh, took some shots across the border into Israel, and Israel has responded. So it looks like we've got another battlefront cropping up in northern Israel. Complicates things a whole lot. And now there's breaking news that SEAL Team 6 is on standby to help find hostages. I'm saying amen to that one. The world's best. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring these guys in and extract those hostages. You want to get me giddy and fired up? You pull some hostages out of there alive? Oh, man. We're going to have a party in here. Absolutely. My goodness. God... Give our forces and the IDF and um, give them wisdom, give them strength, give them power, give them an unusual sense of your protection and provision that they can only attribute to someone bigger than themselves. Lord, we do pray that collateral damage would be limited, that innocence on both sides, God, please protect. War is ugly, Lord, we know it. But, we'll look, Father, we're just crying out to you. And, Lord, you know this. We don't know what we don't know. So sometimes we just pray going, God, move. Yeah. And you say, that's okay. That's all you got to pray, kids. Just move. I've got this. And I thank you that you know the beginning from the end. You know what's in the middle. You know motivations. You know who got caught up in this thing. You know who's demonized who is the ringleaders, how to cut off the head of a snake. You got it all, God. You got it all. Isn't that comforting, guys? So you got it all. Yeah. And so, Lord, we just say, go, God. 
Do what you do best, and we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Man. Okay, coming up here. Um, is this a spiritual war going on in Israel? Ooh, my goodness, we're going to break it down for you coming up. It is. All you got to do is look at Ephesians. Everything you need to start your day right. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. One of the great challenges that we have, we all face it constantly, is are we understanding where the battle really is? Oftentimes we see a skirmish, but we don't understand what's going on behind it. Yes. If you take Hamas, for instance, and what's going on in Israel, horrific. But if you go back to its origins, according to Hamas itself, Revolutionary Guard and Iran and some of those monies, we know that some of the monies that have been given to Gaza for the building of pipelines and sewer systems and water structures, a lot of those pipes have been used for bomb making. Isn't that crazy? Leaving the city itself without sewer systems, without water systems, the very things that they were given to try to help their own people. Mm. The leaders in forces of darkness took those and made them into implements of war. But the backdrop behind Hamas and what's going on is that there is a brain trust in Iran that's helping pull the puppet strings on this thing, enabling them, empowering them, strategizing for them. Almost every political pundit, foreign correspondent, and even those in our high-ranking, the high-ranking officials in our military say that, yeah, Iran's got its fingers in this thing from afar. It's the same way in the spiritual war. Oftentimes we look at people and we go, man, that's the problem. No, in, in really basic terms, we've got to look through a crazed person who's doing something heinous to a child in Israel and go, there's a bigger story going on here. And we find it in Ephesians 6. We'll look at those passages straight ahead. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, check out the battle. As Paul wrote about it in Ephesians, not just in chapter 6. Let's go all the way back to chapter 1. I want to look at this thing with you guys really quickly here. This is, this is amazing. Look at the battlefield that we are in practically in this world today. I'm going to read a chunk of scripture here. In verse 15 of Ephesians 1, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I, I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? Now, I, we often end there because that's a great prayer for an understanding of what kind of victory we've been given. Now, this victory is likened unto the raising of Christ from the dead. In verse 20, look at what it says, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him where? At his right hand in the heavenly places, verse 24, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So what do you find here? Authority, power, dominion. Now, 
I'm going to do a quick skip over, but Paul actually says in chapter 3, don't let the sun go down on your anger and give Satan a foothold, thereby referring to the spiritual war again. But then the book of Ephesians is capped off in chapter 6 with these words. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So all of a sudden, this battle is not fleshly, right? Right. I mean, there are schemes of the devil. We, we, yeah, we battle not against flesh and blood. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, what are flesh and blood? Uh, other people. Other people. And it, to be true to the text here, and I always want to be true to the text, Paul is speaking about the Christian's victory primarily over their own selves. Sure over their own nature okay. that has been made new in Christ Jesus. Okay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the forces of evil in the heavenly places. So what do we find when you match up chapter 1 and chapter 6 of Ephesians? You find that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, far above all of these demonic forces, realms, and satanic entities that are trying to take us in this world down. Yeah. So it's a redirect on Paul's part to help us understand that we will receive victory as we set our minds on things above so that we're not so that we're not limiting this skirmish to earthly figures. Now, it's not a stretch, as you were saying, Young Thunder, yeah. to understand that because we're not battling, our primary battle is not flesh and blood, that person that I'm looking at is yeah. not our primary battle either. Our battle's way above earthly things. Yeah. These are demonic forces. Now, if we can let the sun go down in our, on our anger and give Satan a foothold, doesn't this seem conceivable that people who shake a fist at God and are involved in some of the deadly sins of envy and greed and selfishness, and the list goes on and on, that they, in fact, can give Satan a fortress in their heart? And the answer is absolutely. So you find this over and over again. We find examples of the gospel or anything good being raged against with the stoning of Stephen. These are people that are uh, shop owners. And they were bankers and they were housewives and they were common people. Well, we know that there's a spiritual battle. What else can cause people that are going through their day-to-day -day lives to intercept that, to be so fomented with anger at Stephen's mere words that this Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Prince of Peace, and they come at him, rage at him, throwing stones, stoning Stephen to death. You have to see that there's principalities and forces of darkness and that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And I think what's powerful about this is that we can direct our prayers to God to war against the demonic forces that have taken hold of a lot of people. 
and understanding that even though we're born again, we ourselves are not beyond manifesting things that are not not of the Lord. And this also encourages us that our protection is also not a flesh and blood protection. Yeah. And so when you think about how in the world do you fight forces of evil, well, you put on the whole armor of God, yeah. that our protection is ultimately in him. It's not in a, the strength of a military system. It's not in the strength of an alarm system, for that matter. Those things are important, but ultimately you can't fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Now, does that ex- preclude physical weapons? No. No. In fact, Romans 13, uh, I think verses 1 through 7, we're going to read that in a minute coming up here because this is pretty amazing. But let me give you the Geneva Study Bible. has They don't often do this, but they made a little comment on this passage out of Ephesians 6.12. Listen to what they say. Well, let me read 6.12 again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, so I'm going to restate this again before I read this Geneva quote. What do we find in Ephesians 1? God is above all of these demonic authorities. He's above all things, guys. He is a sovereign God ruling in charge. He exceeds all demonic forces in rank, authority, and in power. We can't forget that. But this is what Geneva Study Bible says, and I just love this. He declares that our chiefest, it's the word they use, our chiefest and mightiest enemies are invisible so that we may not think that our chiefest conflict is with men. Hmm. What a statement, huh? Wow. What a statement. So what does this do for us? What does this do to us? Let's get real practical here. Yeah. I think... The first thing it does for me is it calms me down a little bit towards the people that are around me. Boom. Because it's so easy for me to just get so blindly upset seeing the things that people do that are, I mean, let's let's be honest, you look at the, the Israel-Hamas conflict that are just wrong. Yeah. And, and it makes me mad. Oh, it does. But... I can also understand there are more powerful things at play than just the will of a person. Yeah. And I need to give that up to, like we were saying yesterday, our sovereign Lord, because he's the one who can combat those spiritual principalities. Yeah, I think it, if, if nothing else, I, I don't think it should I don't think it should mitigate righteous indignation. Absolutely not. But it should redesignate yes. righteous indignation yeah. toward these principalities, these forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, for which our Savior, our Lord, our King is above all. Absolutely. Yes. It's a powerful thing. So far behind time, I didn't even know where we were at here. (laughs) It's a good conversation. It's an important one. We'll get back to it. uh, More insights here, and we'll even go to Romans 13. Very interesting passage of Scripture in Romans 13. We'll get to that coming up here in a couple of minutes.
Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, if you read the book of Ephesians and you approach it as Paul wanted us to, so that we can understand the riches that we have. And it's, it's all about our identity. Chapter one deals with we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that we have this rich inheritance. It's likened unto the raising of Christ from the dead. He wants the eyes of our heart to see the inheritance that we've received. Oh, it makes me cry. Yeah. But then you see the reality that we serve a risen Christ who's risen so high that he's above all rulers, authorities, and dominions that we might imagine that are earthbound and ultimately uh, demonic in nature. When we can lift our eyes like that, we understand that we're susceptible by letting sun go down on our anger to give Satan a foothold. Paul's appealing yet again to understand that our battle is not flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. Are they expressions of the enemy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does that mean that we have to surrender our righteous indignation? No, I think that would be wholly impossible. Right. But does it redirect our prayers and our anger and even give us a heart of compassion for a 16-year-old boy who's been indoctrinated in evil and taught and instructed to hate a the, the, the nation of Israel? Mm-hmm. It gives us perspective. Yeah. Does it take away the evil? No. Does it take away our, our desire to see that evil rooted out? No. And God's even raised up government officials and authorities and governments to deal with those things. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. Well, we've all heard the horror stories. AI, robots, sentient wisdom, and they're <laughs> eating us alive. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's true. But, you know, what we don't know can kind of freak us out at times. Absolutely. But there's some good things going on. When you first turned me on to this AI program that you put a message in of your dad's. Yeah. Because you're working social media at the church. That's right. Tell us how that works. Yeah. So there was this AI program that my wife, who's a social media expert, knows. And she, you know, showed me. It's this. I I put the whole sermon in this video AI editing program. Takes about 10 minutes. And then it emails me when it's done and gives me. A list of videos saying, here's what we think is going to go, you know, to be the best that would be, you know, kind of sent out over social media the best that people would pick up the most. And here's why. And it cuts it all. It edits it all. It adds captions. It's bookended. It's got captions. It's great. And it's ready to go. When he first showed me this, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And I said, I did none of the work. Yeah. And I (laughs) I passed that on to our tech guy. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's good stuff. We've just saved a bunch of time here. Yeah. Well, wow. Have we got a treat for you right now? Andrew, you're kind of into AI a little bit, aren't you, Andrew? I am. Absolutely. How's it helping you at Wycliffe Bible Translators? Uh, Andrew's the VP of Global Partnership Engagement at Wycliffe. How's it helping you guys with Bible translation? How does this work? Yeah, so artificial intelligence is something that actually Wycliffe has been using machine-assisted drafting for a long time. And so being able to use machines, uh, artificial intelligence, to check with basic idioms, grammar checks, spelling, some of the sort of boring things that sometimes get lost in the shuffle has really accelerated Bible translation. But there's also some really exciting ways that we're using artificial intelligence. 
Now, there's some inherent like fear around the use of AI, right? I mean, we we worry that machines are taking over, that machines are replacing the work of of humans. There's there is cause for apprehension. Is is that an appropriate response? Should we be at least somewhat skeptical and apprehensive about AI? Looking at AI like any other tool, you need to understand what it can and can't do. You need to make sure that you use it in a way that's appropriate to fill those gaps. And honestly, I think it's no mistake that artificial intelligence is coming along at this very moment when we see Bible translation accelerating at a pace never before seen in the history of the world. How many languages still need the Bible translated into their language? They don't have a, let's say, a full New Testament in their language yet. There's actually currently 1,393 languages that don't have a single verse of scripture in their language. Whoa, Whoa. 1,398? 393, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Extraordinary. Now, that being said, there's a huge acceleration happening right now. But how does that work? So you've got an, some of them unreached people groups. Some of them are now reached, but you haven't translated it. How does AI help when you don't even know the language? Are you taking people native to that culture, having them speak? And how how does all that work? Actually, that's the exact question and problem that we're wrestling with. And so there's a project right now that we're working on in uh, Liberia where we've engaged with six different churches. And those churches have identified individuals, 10 individuals for each of those churches. So we actually have 60 translators that are working on scripture. These are individuals who are a part of the church. They have uh, pastors and leaders who are theologically trained, who are helping them with quality. But then being able to use artificial intelligence to flag potential questions and issues. So when you have that many people working on a translation, you got to be really careful that your key terms and phrases are translated consistently uh, across the translation. Andrew Fleming is our guest right now. He's vice president of global partnerships engagement at Wycliffe Bible Translators. Coming up, let's get your backstory, Andrew. You grew up a pastor's kid and your introduction to Bible translation was pretty dramatic. We'll get that story coming up. Helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Hey, Boom Crew, got a treat for you. Andrew Fleming, you've heard of Wycliffe Bible Translators. Boy, he's doing a great work. Vice President of Global Partnerships Engagement. And yet he's got a backstory here. You grew up a pastor's kid. Tell us how you were first introduced to Bible translation. I grew up a pastor's kid in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And my parents, father and mother, uh, there in their ministry at the church, really saw international missions as something important to uh, pour into. And so As a 10-year-old, my family took a trip actually to uh, Hong Kong, and we ended up smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong (laughs) into China. Love it. What was that like? How old were you? (laughs) 10 years old, uh, my older brother, younger sister, we would put backpacks filled with Bibles uh, and walk through uh, metal detectors. And so we did that 10 different trips. We smuggled in, I think, uh, just under 1,000 Bibles. It was pretty extraordinary to be able to then walk into uh, China, meet somebody, go to a safe house, 
we had an opportunity to go to an underground church oh uh, in a bus yeah. out in the outskirts of uh, Beijing. You know, as a 10-year-old, I thought underground church is going to be awesome. And then I was a little disappointed that it wasn't actually underground. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Andrew Fleming, our guest right now, that had to have been something else. Okay, you're in Wycliffe Bible Translators now. What I love are these stories when people get the Word of God in their language and they begin, the Holy Spirit takes that begins to illuminate those scriptures. Give us a story, Andrew. You must have them. This is where it's hard to pick just one, right? Where, where we see uh, God's word come alive. So recently there was uh, some, uh, a community that we were working with in South America, and it was traditional for the mothers and mother-in-laws, the newly married uh, wives, to actually move in with the mother-in-laws. And there was a lot of uh, strife and conflict and so actually uh, working with that community, they decided they wanted to translate Esther. And that book of Esther then became uh, a foundation for what was happening in the church, for the uh, teachings. It was also a foundation for small groups. And there was a transformation of that community where the uh, struggle that was taking place, a, a struggle between these uh, mothers and young wives and their mother-in-laws, where God actually challenged both of them and how they're supposed to uh, lift one another up and support one another uh, in the family. It was a beautiful, beautiful uh, vision of God and the Bible uh, scripture actually impacting that oh, community. So good. My goodness. So Andrew, from your early experiences to now what, what you're doing more recently, you must have a, a a heightened appreciation for how special the word of God is. You know, we have it, we have it on our phone. We have it in different translations all over the house. We can get it right at our fingertips. You have an appreciation for how precious it is. Yeah. So again, going back to my childhood and watching uh, what happened when we brought those Bibles uh, into a place where there wasn't wide accessibility. What, what we actually learned was that those Bibles would actually be uh, taken apart page by page, and a page would be handed out to every individual within the community. Wow. They would memorize that page and then pass that page oh on my. to the next mm. family. I'm just blown away by the underground church movement around the globe. But in China, one of my heroes is Watchman Nee. He died in prison in 1972. Uh, but he's considered to be one of the big kickstarters of this underground church movement. What's going on behind closed doors? We don't often know what's going on. You must have a vantage point we don't have. Is the church, how's the church doing in communist or dictatorial societies that don't favor this at all? This is one of those uh, areas where we uh, have to be careful. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we know that there are believers in, in uh, places all over the world where it's uh, difficult to be a believer. And we look for opportunities to uh, share the gospel, to work with churches and church movements. Uh, but we know that uh, God is is bigger. Uh, he's more powerful. And we know that uh, he's in control in these places. And so as we work carefully in different uh, parts around the world, we have to be sensitive. But we also continue to uh, lean on and rely on and understand that uh, our God is a big God. Yeah, that's right on. Andrew, I love your heart. And I love your heart for adventure, even with the gospel. It's so compelling, man. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for being with us today. So Boom Crew, I want you to get familiar with Wycliffe. Some of you are new in your relationship with Christ. And to hear about an organization like this, you're going, you got to be kidding me. These guys are committed, partnered up with other Babel Translation organizations to get this word out. Yeah. 
Text the word translation. I want you to get a taste of what's going on at Wycliffe. And if you have some discretionary shekels, leave it behind. Guys, this is a great ministry. Just text the word translation to 312-274-9624. Translation to 312-274-9624. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Yeah, we want to do it boom crew style and tell you from the bottom of our heart, we are grateful. If you hadn't heard the word yet, our goal was 800000 and change. And the results were... Over a million. Wow. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, it's... We had a $237,000 Friday morning here with you, Boom Crew. Yeah, we did. $237,000. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, it's humbling. You know what? It just, it just reveals. It reveals the power of prayer. The engine room for this whole effort was 460 people on their knees in prayer. That prayer cuts through all, and we're going to see this here in just a moment. Prayer cuts through the fog of spiritual war. Just like there's a fog of war, mm-hmm. there's a fog of spiritual war. Yeah. And in order to cut through that so that the Spirit of God can move, we need forces of prayer that are doing battle against these forces of evil. And we're seeing, I mean, it was breathtaking to be part of Share this year. And we're grateful for you. That's all we want to say. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Want to add anything to that, Allie? No, just very, very grateful for those of you who prayed and those of you who gave. I, we had a question come in. What What will you do with the windfall? <laughs> That's a, which is a great question. <laughs> I mean, what we raise here in Chicago is combined with what's raised nationally. And we have people who come up with budgets and projections. And what it means is that we can do more. We can go beyond. We can go beyond. And we will. We will. Amazing stuff. Okay, let's break it down. If you look at the book of Ephesians, oftentimes we look at the in there about key central passages, like take off the old man, put on the new. We find great teachings on employee-employer relations, husband-wife relations, children-parent relations, awesome teaching. But we can't forget that this is a book about living strong and growing up in your relationship with God in the context of a spiritual war. Now, we can't understand Ephesians 6 properly unless we crack open Ephesians 1. Now, check this out. This is Paul's prayer. I'm not going to read the whole thing this hour, but I want to just tell you, in essence, Paul's saying, I want the eyes of your heart to see this great inheritance that you have in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Earlier on, he says, you've been sealed in with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee to this inheritance. And then he explains this inheritance is riches of glory. He says, immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great mind that he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Are you kidding me? The inheritance that we have is likened unto the raising of Christ from the dead. Baby, that is power. It absolutely is. do we need it? Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Now, you might say, well, what is that? Well, we're going to see it in chapter 6 here, but this isn't earthly powers. Right. These are spiritual forces that Paul's speaking of here. 
far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, how do we know that there's a spiritual context all throughout the book of Ephesians? You just flip over to Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27, and we'll find this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Whoa, what a huge implication here. So now you've realized, oh, anger unchecked can give Satan a toehold. Now you start seeing what's happening. You see abhorrent behavior is an outworking of unchecked fleshly emotions that have not been submitted to the will of God. Right. For the unregenerate and for the regenerate. Pretty clear, right? Yeah. Pretty darn clear. Okay, then you go a little bit further in here in chapter 6 in Ephesians. You find this. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whose might? His might. His the might. Lord's might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Whoa. Now, look here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, primarily what's spoken of here is our own battle with demonic forces, but make no mistake about it. We're going to bump into people who have let the sun go down under their anger, who have not been redeemed. What does that mean? It means that they don't have an inheritance of power likened under the raising of Christ from the dead. Yeah. They only have an inheritance that they can receive being children of the devil. Now, that may sound Harsh, but it's not. It's true. And actually, when we understand truth, then we go, oh, now we see what's going on in Israel a whole lot clearer. But look at what we find here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Whoa, what's going on here? Same words that are used in Ephesians 1. How do we take confidence here? Jesus rose from the dead and he went to the father who is above all authorities and dominions in the spiritual realm. He rules it all. This is why we say sovereign Lord. So what do we find in the book of Ephesians? We're in a spiritual battlefield. Christians themselves can give a toehold or a stronghold to Satan by letting yes. unchecked anger go down on our, go, let the sun go down on our anger. Children of the devil, by virtue of the fact that they do not have an inheritance of power to rise above the flesh, can foment the flesh and do abhorrent things in an instance when they're otherwise could be somewhat civil people. Yeah. One of the greatest examples of this is the stoning of Stephen. We got to remember this. The people that stoned Stephen were not, let me tell you what they were. They were homeowners. They were vendors. They were bankers. They were tradespeople. They built tents. They carved wood. They raised children. But when Stephen spoke of spiritual things, it fomented something that bumped the cup of people that have the dominion of darkness that ruled their lives. Mm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. The hatred for Israel 
is spiritual. It is spiritual. How does this help us, Sally? Well, when you're processing things that you see both in your own life and then play out on a global stage, when you remember that there are schemes of the devil, that there are spiritual forces at work that we are warring against, spiritual forces of evil, it allows you to pray differently. It allows you to keep in mind that we're not battling flesh and blood. Because I think sometimes it's so easy to get angry, and you mentioned righteous indignation, totally appropriate. Yeah. But when our anger stops there and we just, we want to go after people, we miss the fact that the battle ultimately is a spiritual one. We miss an opportunity, as you just said, to do battle with spiritual forces and we're fixated on flesh and blood. And we, you fight differently. You fight differently. Because there's, I mean, there's two levels of conflict. There is the physical conflict that, I mean, war, just war is a thing. Yeah, it's but a very But there's also thing. the other battle that's being waged that we cannot fight with weapons. Just can't. Weapon, well, not physical weapons anyway. Geneva Study Bible has a note on this sixth chapter of Ephesians, verse 12, that it's awesome. Now, it's old English, but listen to this. He declares, they're speaking of Paul here, that our chiefest, I know, that's the word they use. He declares that our cheap, chiefest and mightiest enemies are invisible so that we may not think that our chiefest conflict is with men. If we can remember that our chiefest battles and enemies are spiritual, it'll give us a whole new perspective of what's going on earthly. Absolutely. I mean, if you're not in Christ, you are, you are hopelessly fixated on flesh and blood. But we who are in Christ can have a righteous indignation for how Satan is moving in demonized people. And they're clearly demonized. And we can even have almost a Corey Tin Boom kind of response in World War II that says, that sees her captors as puppets of Satan himself. And it can shift everything for us here. When we live in the spiritual and not just focus on the natural, my goodness, we can pray differently, we can live differently. Everything changes, doesn't it? Yeah. Take a look at Ephesians today. Read the whole book. It's just six chapters, but it's well worth it to be reminded. The war, the primary war is a spiritual one. Boom. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Um, Okay, join me in prayer, Boom Crew, that Allie's son would um, become a hockey player. Wouldn't that be great? Why? But it's inside, so she might. No, it's not. still cold. There's ice. ice in there. and, and by the way, there's yeah. that, to, when a, when moms are at the rinks, you know they got to be right up against the boards and all that. You're so right. It's you're right. Chilly. It is yeah. chilly. I mean, I, oh, I my kids have always played basketball, but as of late, my son has taken up both baseball, fall ball, and flag football, <laughs> which is also outside. That's and you great. got games this weekend. And it's going to be really chilly. Well, really chilly <laughs> is. Not this weekend. No, it worked. It's fifties. That's not really chilly. That is really chilly. That's chilly. That's great football weather. 
So a world record was broken with that temperature with guys wearing shorts and tank okay, tops. Well, that's not me. I'm a mom who has to sit out at a game and I hate being cold. So yes, I'm thinking about getting one of those heated camping chairs. Oh, and boy. if you have any other tips for me, if you are a veteran, I got at a this tip. Outdoor, That's going full mom. If you are an outdoor sports enthusiast, send some tips my way because I hate being cold. Text your tips to 312-274-9624. Maybe you've done one of these outdoor heated camping chairs. Never maybe heard of them. maybe there's a specific heating blanket I need to get. No, you need to watch from my car. Here's a real real question right now, and I'm going to do a pop up quiz right now. Here it is pop up, pop up test, testing you guys out. What do you think? Cedar heater, Gooberville, packing it off to the stadium, or old school blanket if need be? Yes. Yes, he superdies with me. Blanket if need be, or cedar heater. Would you rather pack your 12 volt, 20 pound battery with a. A bunch of heater elements that can cause second-degree burns oh. on your backside. Oh, no. Ooh, See, heated a, vest? Heated vests are great. Ooh, yes, thank you. Absolutely. Okay, a sleeping bag, 4330. That, I might look a little a little silly if I'm in a sleeping bag. I don't know, but I might oh, but try the generator, it. The generator I backpack's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But Another vote Andy. for the sleeping bag. Okay, this is a thing. I guess you just kind of sit inside of it. Not a and sleeping just bag. They're wrap for sleeping. yourself up in it. They're for sleeping. Can't okay. do the sleeping bag. You can have a seat heater. No sleeping bag. We've got a solution, though. She does not need a generator. Our idea is she brings Henry, her husband, uh-huh. great dude, yeah. servant, yeah. Lo- leading, loving servant dude. Yeah. He'd probably do it. He brings a kind of like a a head device where you kind of bolt it onto your head with solar panels. Yeah. And so he can sit next to you with a solar panel like unit that. and keep your cedar heater going. The okay. problem is when go. it's cold outside, usually it's cloudy too. So oh, those those solar panels are good now. They, they can get them. oh, they can get raised through the clouds. All right. Yeah, that'll okay. be good. Zero three five nine, Allie, you live in Chicago. Yes, I know this. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I feel like this, as much as I love fall, I feel like this is the most kind of difficult stretch of weather. Because once you're in the the dead of winter, you're kind of used to it. You can put on all of the things, and there's nothing being hosted outside. It's the in-between weather that I do find somewhat problematic. Because everyone wants to act like this fall is an extension of summer, but really it's early winter. Here's a solution that I do like. <laughs> Flannel line jeans. You ever had those? <laughs> no, I. Oh, flannel it. line oh, jeans. Yeah, they those are really good. Those they are really are nice. The best. Yeah, no, I could see those being. Those great. are the comfiest Get a burgers good pair. in the world. They're really comfy. Flannel line. Do, do I have like, to go to like a Menards you, or something? Did no, I you actually got to go. What's the guy that's that they, they got the crazy commercials? They the cartoon characters. Yeah, they, you can get them. What, now. No, what's the name oh. of the place where they they spit and they. Do all kinds of crazy. What is it? The name of the place where they spit. Yeah, and that's the cartoon Menards. characters. Somebody help me here. What What's the name of the place with outdoor remember. equipment where they've got cartoon little images of guys and they're they sell and they spit great underwear and tractor supply Menards tractor supply army What's surplus. The name of the place. Boom uh, crew three one two two seven four nine six two four. We got to get Allie a here. gift certificate for her for birthday <laughs> to this place. Flannel line she needs jeans. flannel line jeans. Okay, are they needs. fashionable? That's my only oh, question. They're oh, they're yeah, very fashionable. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you know, I gotta 
I gotta maintain what the cool Duluth. Mom. I have Duluth. To Duluth. I have to maintain the cool oh. mom image. Duluth. <laughs> You know, Duluth is great. Duluth Trading Company, that's the one. The fact that you had so many people say Duluth from the explanation. (laughs) You know the place that has cartoons and they spit? Oh, the loop is pouring <laughs> yeah. in. How are you helping him, people? <laughs> no, it, people know what that's, they're talking about. That's impressive. Duluth, that's impressive. they're pouring in here. Duluth. Okay. Farm and Fleet's good, too. <laughs> you can get some great polar equipment at Farm and Fleet. You absolutely can. But can you picture me shopping at Farm and Fleet? Oh, that's a good one, too. I Cabela's. can't, but I would love a picture Astro of it. Pro Shop. Those are good places, I'd do too. anything to see Allie in the men's apparel section trying At to find some. Fleet. Excuse oh, me, Allie. sir. Did you see Costco? <laughs> Got my flannel jeans at Costco. All right, I'm sold. There you go. Okay. See? I'm in. I'm all in on the there flannel pants. I, need, I hate to break it to you. They are not uber stylish, Allie. This oh. notion that super nice says they're kind of cute, that's a straight up lie. They're comfort they're, over, fun, yeah. over, you know form yeah we're not going to a prom in those things (laughs) well (laughs) that ain't happening (laughs) okay oh Oh, boy this is good ll bean has flannel jeans all right so we got a lot of outlets with flannel jeans eddie bauer this is amazon prime days has flannel line jeans they're pouring in here you got ideas i got lots of suggestions boom crew coming through once again Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this show cast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew as we help you take your next step with Jesus. You're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.